0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number
1: 430. Hard work and determination will get you a long way. This is Cars Yeah!
0: Where you'll enjoy
1: interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up,
0: and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ryan Noble. Ryan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Great to have you here. Ryan Noble is a vintage automobile expert and a mechanic who tests, evaluates, and builds engines for collector cars and vintage race cars at Phil Riley & Company. In San Francisco, California. Phil Riley and Company is well known in the vintage racing community as a premier go to source for your vintage race car needs. Ryan and his talented team of craftsmen work on every kind of vintage race car imaginable. Ryan has been a conservator for the LeMay Museum here in Tacoma, Washington, where I live, and he cared for a private collector car collection as well. So, Ryan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more? About your career and the fun you're having around all these vintage cars that you get to play with.
1: Oh, it certainly is a whirlwind. Um, it's difficult to not get jaded. Some of the uh, fantastic things that come into the shop on a very regular basis. Oh, yeah. I've been a car enthusiast for as long as I can remember. I started getting a subscription to a Mustang magazine when I was nine years old, I think. Um, <laughs> cool. Something has drawn me to cars, and I don't exactly know. How to explain what that is. It's not something that comes from my family, but it's really just all I've ever wanted to do. And so now I get to do it on a daily basis, and I feel really lucky about that.
0: Well, you are really fortunate. And I used to race finished cars, and I'm very uh, knowledgeable about Phil Riley. I mean, that shop and the work and the cars that go through that shop are the creme de la creme. And tell me a little bit or tell our listeners a little bit about what you do there, Phil Riley.
1: So I do a lot of the test driving of things when they come in to try to shake them down and figure out what exactly is or isn't wrong with them. I do a lot of the um, sort of medium duty mechanic work, things that are not necessarily short term, but not necessarily the five year project either. Mm -hmm. And as of late, I have gotten into building engines, sort of one thing led to another. And There was a need to fill, and I was in the right place at the right time, which I feel like has sort of happened more than once to me. But I do a lot of engine work these days, uh, building engines from the ground up and taking them to the dyno and testing them and putting them back into the car and sending them on their way. Very cool. uh, quite satisfying.
0: Tell our listeners, just briefly if you can, I know this is a big question, but just name off some of the kinds of cars you guys are working on. I just want to give our listeners an idea of the incredible vintage race cars that you guys work on there.
1: So my current to-do list uh, includes two California Spider Ferraris, uh, an 8C2300Alpha, I'm working on an XK120 Jag, a Curtis IndyCar, and a Hispano Suiza J12. Wow, and I think that's I think that's <laughs> it at the moment.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, now think about that, listeners. Think about the breadth of those vehicles, the different kinds of engines. You spanned some years back to the 30s up to the 70s. I think somewhere in there.
1: The uh, I think the the newest one of those is the Curtis. It's a 1953 Curtis powered by a three uh 331 Hemi.
0: It's absolutely incredible, and I I wanted you to rattle those off because it gives the listeners an idea of of the breadth of skill that you need to work on these cars, and also the amazing, uh, wonderful breadth of cars, just the kinds of cars that run through your shop, as you mentioned when we started. And we're going to learn a little bit more about all of that as we move through our talk here. But first, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's A really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ryan, take the wheel.
1: So I think, and this goes back to the very first car I worked on, I think my success quote would have to be essentially just, yes, I can do that. (laughs) And it doesn't necessarily always have to be 100% true. You just have to be able to be willing to make it true, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And so there's been many times in my career where I've, perhaps overextended a bit but with the willingness to learn and grow into the task to then you know subsequently still do a great job and get the job done correctly
0: yeah you know um back in the day i used to borrow lots of vintage cars for photo shoots and we would go to some amazing garages where there were people and we go to some of these garages like yours and and some of the other guests i've had here on show like butch dennison of dennison international and louis chef jnl fabricating and of course, Bruce Canapa and the work they do in their shop. And sometimes I'd be there and I'd say, well, how do you know what to do here? And they say, I don't. I've never worked on it before. I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. <laughs> but when it comes to some of these vehicles, that's what has to happen because they're very, very rare.
1: Well, and in a lot of cases, you know, so you come into multiple scenarios, of course. In some cases, you know, the information that you want to know for a particular task does exist, Exists, you know where to get it. Um, and in other cases, that's not really true. You know, uh, pinpointing exactly the specifications for something or what was something exactly like originally when you're dealing with some of these rare cars, in a lot of cases, you You can't actually figure it out. Right. So you have to make educated guesses or draw parallels to other things that you've worked on or just use general principle essentially.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, I love the mantra, yes, I can. Yes, I can do it. That's the attitude you have to have when you step into some of these arenas. You just have to start doing it and figure it out as you go. So –
1: well, and you're never going to get anywhere if you if you start shying away from things that, you know, prove to be difficult or potentially challenging. So, Absolutely.
0: Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about not really knowing where this car passion came from, but I would assume there's one pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy.
1: Uh oh, boy, one pivotal moment. You know, my family are not car people. I, this is not something I did with my dad or my grandfather at home. It was just a truly independent adventure and and, and desire. I do remember uh, one of my neighbors, uh, two daughters, they were about 10 years older than my sister and I. They were our babysitters from time to time. And one of them uh, had this... Uh, friend who lived around the corner who had, a, I think it was a 1988 Mustang that he took drag racing on the weekends. Mm-hmm. He would bring that car around. It was also his daily driving car. <laughs> I do remember him bringing this car around just to come by and say hi. And I remember being sort of transfixed on he, him and his hobby with this car. And yeah. oh, I thought it was really, really cool. <laughs>
0: That's a pretty good car to be bit by, a drag racing Mustang, kind (laughs) of (laughs) cool. Not bad, not bad. It doesn't get much
1: more quintessential than that. Yeah, I think
0: so, I think so. You know, for me, it was a neighbor up the street that had an old Porsche Speedster, 57 or 58 Carrera Speedster, uh, that he drove all the time. Now, of course, this was back in the 60s, I was a little boy, but I think back... To think, oh man, you know, that car now, wouldn't I love to have that car now. <laughs> a really special vehicle, but he used to give me rides and it was pretty cool. So Ryan, what I would love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty, certainly something you're not afraid to do, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this, how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you?
1: So as I mentioned not coming from a car family this was something I had expressed interest in and I don't want to say it was uh, frowned upon but it certainly wasn't encouraged with open arms at first a- and so uh, you know here I am a 16 17 18 year old kid I want to work on cars I actually at the time drove an 88 Dodge minivan um <laughs> and so my that, that wasn't really fulfilling my outlet so one of my challenges was essentially just to be able to get my hands on to anything to work on mm-hmm. and have that be a, a growing experience for me. I think one of the things that really set me on my way in this from the beginning was uh, there was a friend of mine whose aunt had a uh, another Mustang, a 68 Mustang convertible that she wanted to sell, but it didn't run very well and it had some cosmetic problems and So she asked my friend Chris if he knew anyone who could help her out with this, and so I said, oh, I can do that, even though I I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So he and I and another friend went over to to her house and sort of fiddled with the car and got it running a little bit better and while we were there, she mentioned all of these other things that she wanted to do. The carpet was in bad shape and the seat covers were splitting. And boy, I sure would like to get somebody to, uh, to take care of those things. And I said, <laughs> I'm not sure where this came from, but I said, oh, I can do those things. <laughs> but you'll have to give me your car. Yeah. And she said, oh, okay, and handed me the keys. There you go.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and so that afternoon, I ended up showing up at home in the driveway at my parents' house with this Mustang convertible.
0: That needed a bunch of work.
1: (laughs) That needed a bunch of work, and, you know, this was not something we discussed. It wasn't planned. You know, my my other prior attempts to bring home some project vehicle had completely failed. Yeah. So uh, now I just, you know, brought home my first customer car. (laughs) So I parked it on the street for probably – about a week, I think, before my mom said, So I bet you I think you'd like a place in the garage for that, huh? And I said, Boy, that's true. That's I mean, sure nice, be mom. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's where it started. And I actually worked on that car for four years.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you kept the car for four years. Didn't the lady call and say, I'd like to have my car back now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was actually a, a summertime thing. Uh, I would, uh, I would, would. This is while I was uh, first in college. And so I would work on the car during the summertime while I was at home. Then I would drop it back off at her house. And when the fall came, and she would just put it in the garage and wait for me to come home the next summer.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Very cool. I love it. Great story. That's where that yes, I can attitude uh, carried you through. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I know you've You've done a bunch of different things in your career, and Renee uh, Christ, who introduced me to you, and we actually, I believe, met back when you were working at LeMay Museum, but she kind of reunited us, had told me a little bit about all the different things you've done, including the LeMay, but is there a time in your career when the headlights kind of came on and gave you a a direction for this new idea, this new path that you had?
1: Well, I think actually one of my main aha moments that I can think of is also having to do with that Mustang. So when I worked on that car, I would, you know, like I said, worked on it each summer and I refused all money for working on this car. Oh. I would, I would spend my own money on parts and all that stuff for the car and fix it up and then deliver her a bill at the end of the summer. When oh, I the okay. Off. All right. Very businesslike. Yeah. You know, Spreadsheets and all the, all the receipts and all that good stuff. Nice. And so I was viewing it as uh, an opportunity to finally get a chance to get some kind of experience in Mm -hmm. this department. And and I'm sure she was viewing it as great free labor. Um, (laughs) So I never let her pay me for this. Ah. And so on the final, the final time when I was dropping the car off after uh, I had actually brokered the sale of this car after I was finished working on it. So I went and dropped it off at her house. And then uh, uh, as I was leaving, She handed me an envelope. So, very businesslike, put it in my pocket. We continued the conversation. And then, um, you know, at some point I made my way home. And so, when I was driving home, I pulled that envelope out of my pocket and in it was (laughs) $1,500. Nice. Which, you know, I think I was maybe 21 at the time or something.
0: Yeah, a lot of money.
1: Right. So, but I do remember thinking at that time that that was the first money I was going to be making. You know, in the automotive restoration field as opposed to the last dollars or the only dollars. Those were going to be the first dollars. Wow.
0: You know, isn't that a – it is a really incredible feeling. And I think everybody out there that has worked in the field, their field of passion and gotten paid for it, when you get that first dollar or first $1,500 in your case and you go, wait a minute. You mean I can do what I love and get paid for it? Wow. (laughs) That's an aha moment.
1: Very satisfying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have a very similar story. When I was a kid, 14 years old, my next door neighbor bought the first 450 SL in the community and uh, I he uh, let me wash it and wax it for him. And I took it back to him and delivered it. And I said, thank you very much, Mr. Swanser. And I started to walk away and he said, well, wait a minute, what do I owe you? And I turned around, and I said, you're going to pay me? <laughs> I just thought I was having fun, you know, taking care of this beautiful new 450 SL, which was the first year model for those cars in '74, and uh, lo and behold, started a business that I had all the way through college, paid for my and college.
1: This was very much the same thing. This was something that I was—I was just truly honored that she was letting me work on her car in the first place. Yeah. I, I, I really didn't expect money out of it. Yeah. I guess, you know, in retrospect, you know, in adult terms, typically work—work <laughs> work is done for money. But right. at, at that time, that really wasn't what was motivating me to work on
0: it. Yeah, wonderful story. I Love it. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us?
1: Yeah, a, a couple of years ago, I had something come back around on me in a very nice way. I've participated in a few car tours over the years. I've gone on uh, the Pebble Beach Motoring Classic and a, a few other uh, you know, regional sort of car tours. There were some uh, folks that I met on the Pebble Beach Motoring Classic who I'm proud to now call friends. This was... Um, maybe six years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And about two years ago, I get an email in my inbox asking me if I was – from from these two people, asking me if I would be interested in accompanying them on the Lincoln Highway 100th Anniversary Tour. Wow. To help them ferry their packard across the country. Wow. Cool. So, you know, I, I think I responded in about 35 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> Where do I need to
0: be and when?
1: <laughs> right. This was a three-week tour. I actually uh, only participated in the second two weeks, but we drove their uh, 1940 four-door Packard Darren from New York City to San Francisco.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: That was truly excellent. There were uh, two other Darrens on the tour, both of which had overdrive troubles, as did our car. Mm -hmm. And so rather than attempting to push it in third gear, we just Decided to go the slow and steady route and uh, drove the rest of the way across the country at 45 miles an hour.
0: But (laughs) but we we made it. you know, sometimes it's kind of nice to go slow down a little bit and you get to look at what you want to see. And, uh, boy, you're in a Darren. That's kind of cool, too. So nice. How fun is that? Well, very nice that came back around for you. All right. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Ryan. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory or two about that vehicle.
1: Okay. So uh, as far as first special car, I think this one was a little long in coming, but um, I guess about 18 months ago at this point, I was out at a music festival with some of my friends. We actually left the campgrounds to go to the store to buy ice. And on the way, we drove by the auto parts store and out front was parked a 1947 flexible bus for sale. We stopped because we didn't have any schedule and went and looked at it and sort of came up with a list each day at camp about other things we wanted to go and look at and check out on this bus and crawled underneath and looked at all the various parts that we had on our lists. And uh, we ended up purchasing it four days later off the side of the road.
0: I'm trying to picture this, the flexible bus, if I remember, okay, those things are very uh, almost art deco-ish in their roundness. And I think they have like four headlights in front and this big I don't know if it was chrome or aluminum striping down the side, that kind of thing. Am I am I in the yeah. right path?
1: Yeah, that's the right one. So, yeah. yes, it has four headlights. The uh, uh, aluminum finned parts on the side, That was some have them and some don't. But mm-hmm. the back is definitely the rounded, streamlined, very Art Deco shape, and it has a big air scoop on top that leads yeah. right into the radiator. And some
0: of those had uh, windows around the top of them, I think, like the uh, Volkswagen bus, the uh, – Multi-window bus, right?
1: Those are exceptionally rare, yes. Um, There are many variations. Ours is a 1947, and uh, it um, is one of only, I think, about 2,000 that were made before they changed models into the next next series. Very cool. Which all sort of kept the same shape, so they're sort of difficult to tell apart.
0: Yeah, wow. Now, so you're restoring this thing, and what are you going to use it for? What are you going to do with it?
1: Um, Well, that's a common question. So I bought this with four of my friends, and we formed an LLC, so none of us had to actually own it individually, and our plan is just to take it on road trips and see the country in it.
0: (laughs) What fun. Now, that is very cool, very cool. I can't wait to see the finished project. You'll have to send me pictures so I can share that with the listeners when you're all done with it. Plenty of shots. Awesome, great. How about a vehicle that you've owned and sold and you really wish you had it back in the garage?
1: Mm, well, as far as things that I've sold, I I haven't actually owned many cars that I've sold. <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, purchase things with the intention of of not necessarily making money on them, but, but you know, having, having some fun with them and then moving on to the next thing. Yeah. But I, I always end up... Uh, growing attached to these things. And so uh, usually they end up sticking around. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now I understand. I've had many guests here that have the same answer. I don't sell anything. I just keep everything. So right. definitely fun.
1: I'll sell I'll sell something when the time is right. But so far that had, time hasn't come yet. Well,
0: you're a lucky guy then. How about current projects? You mentioned some of the cars you're working on there at Phil Riley, but uh, is there one project in particular today you're working on that really has you excited and fired up?
1: The Hispano Suiza J12 motor that I'm working on is truly fascinating. The workmanship that goes into that, or that went into making that, rather, is it's it's just uh, truly not to be beat.
0: Hispano Suiza, tell the the listeners a little bit because some folks maybe I hope all the listeners know what we're talking about, but if you haven't heard of a Hispano Suiza, tell the folks a little bit about that vehicle.
1: Uh, Hispano Suiza. Essentially, stands for Spanish Swiss. It was uh, a Swiss-engineered. Some of the cars were built in uh, Spain, although uh, later on the production moved to France. So most of the Hispano-Suizas that people are familiar with are French-built cars Mm -hmm. and are essentially considered as such. But they're very large, very powerful cars. The J12 is a, a V12 car. There were two different versions. Uh One was 9.4 and the other one was 11.3 liters, I believe. The 11.3 liter car was less common in production, although at some point or another, most the engines have been converted to the long stroke crank mm-hmm. to make them into the 11.3 liter car. There are some cars... That are held together with a million fasteners, and things seem to be, you know, the guy designing the throttle linkage was not uh, talking to the guy that designed the exhaust manifold, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with these cars. They're they're really the complete package. The parts are all work beautifully together everything is logical and the way things are assembled is is uh it's easy to work on there is uh not extra parts to deal with the connecting rods for instance i think one of the most notable features of the entire engine is the connecting rods there are no bolts holding the two halves together it's more like a finger joint in woodworking with a um a pin that fits t- horizontally through them to hold the two halves together it's, wow. it's no act no actual fasteners yeah. holding the connecting rods together
0: wow i don't know a lot about those vehicles i've seen many at Concord events are absolutely stunning and it's really interesting to hear about uh, the mechanics and the engineering and the production quality that went into these vehicles i mean they are they're like big trains they're big mighty powerful vehicles
1: and a lot of the people that see it look at it and ask if it's an airplane engine and no it's not it's actually for a car but but um, hispano suiza does have a lot of history in aviation and and airplane engines and so forth so it's pretty easy to see where people get that idea when they're looking at some of these parts
0: yeah yeah they're absolutely magnificent what fun awesome well thanks for sharing that with us now here's a very introspective question for you ryan if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why
1: you know i've thought about this question, and that's that's one of those questions uh you know what's your favorite car boy how, you know how do you narrow it down? Yeah, but uh, I think if I were a car, I think I might be a sixty five Buick Riviera
0: whoa, okay, now, why is that?
1: you know, I think we'd all like to be a Ferrari California spider, <laughs> but the truth is I'm not, <laughs> so
0: none of us are.
1: <laughs> I find the Riviera is elegant yet sinister looking it's it's functional yet it's fun to drive. Mm-hmm. It sort of is the everyman's fun car. It's not overly special. It's not too plain. It sort of strikes a nice balance with most things uh, as well as being quite attractive.
0: (laughs) There you go. And that's Ryan. So perfect fit. Yeah, I love it. So Ryan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Ryan, we are entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Boy, best automotive advice. Well, I think one of the things that comes up frequently while at work, not trying to reinvent the wheel, essentially, is to to boil it down. Sure. A lot of times you can find yourself in the midst of some problem and, you know, there are a couple of things to keep in mind, to get you through these problems. And one is you're generally not smarter than the engineer. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) And two, somebody has faced this problem before. Yeah. So step back, take another look at it, and usually the solution will come to
0: you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I just had a guest on not too long ago that said the exact same thing. He happens to have a company where they restore brake calipers for older Porsches. And he said one thing he learned was... You know what? You're not smarter than the original engineers that put these things together. So don't right. don't overthink it.
1: Don't try to go making too big a change yeah. because uh, you know things are like that for a reason. Generally, yeah,
0: absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, cleanliness is is really helpful, you know, in the shop environment. Mm -hmm. I try to maintain a really clean workspace. And even if I'm having a bad day, I put my tools away at the end of the day, every day. So they're all where I know them to be in the morning and just start with a fresh slate. I think keeping a clean workspace helps you tremendously in not just getting the job done, but getting it done well in a reasonably timely manner. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Great advice. How about a resource? I know there's a lot of them out there, especially with the internet. But is there one in particular that you really enjoy?
1: Two websites that I really like are uh, prewarcar.com. Oh yeah, and theoldmotor.com. The old motor is is mostly pictures and just interesting articles um, about old car stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's they sometimes they just post color pictures from the 60s. There's mystery cars that get put up, but it's generally just if you're into cars, it's interesting and you, you certainly won't be disappointed checking that web page. Yeah. And prewarcar.com has just a wealth of resources on there. Some of the who's who are on there handing out advice. They just have uh, tricky screen names so you can't tell <laughs> who they are.
0: You might know who they are, but you're not really sure, so That's right. Yeah, I like that website too. Now, how about a book? Is there one book in particular you've read you think the Cars Yow listeners would enjoy reading as well?
1: Uh, sure. There's a book my dad gave me. This isn't a book I picked out, but uh, I got this for my birthday a couple of years ago. And the title of the book is a little long, but I believe it's uh, Shop Class as Soul Craft. Ah, uh, yes. In, an Inquiry into the Value of Work. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it really puts a fine point on the satisfaction you can get from working with your hands and having something physical to show for your day's labor
0: yeah it's a cool book i believe it's by matthew crawford that sounds right yes and it is a great book i've got a copy of that book as well it's really fun i loved it when it first came out and i gave my uh, both my kids a copy even though one's into cars and one isn't but uh i think it has other messages in it that are nice
1: Oh, absolutely. I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, is that similar to Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? And I, I actually haven't read the other one, so I can't answer that
0: question. Not really. Um, the other one is is more philosophical in nature, I would guess. Although this one is as well, but I think they both have their merits for sure.
1: Another excellent book if people are just looking to have a, a good time is uh, Robert Welsh's Old Tractors and the Men Who Love
0: Them. <laughs> yes, that's another great one too. <laughs> Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Ryan Noble. All right, Ryan, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car, if that's uh, what you would like, in your garage. But don't worry about the cost, because today I'm going to buy whatever you would like. But you can't sell it. you got to keep it, okay?
1: (laughs) Well, that won't be a problem.
0: Yeah, well, you don't sell cars anyway, so it isn't a problem. Uh, What would that vehicle be and why?
1: You know, I thought about this one, and this one actually wasn't difficult for me to answer. If money was no object, I probably – I think I would be the owner of an Alpha 8C 2300.
0: Ooh. Uh, Boy. Yeah, you picked
1: mean just the, that's got to be the best sounding car on the planet
0: uh they are absolutely spectacular I've, I've had the pleasure of being around several of those cars for photo shoots getting to ride in uh, those cars as well and they are something special i mean it's just this combination of street car race car power elegance design i mean what is it about the car that that you love so much
1: I, it just seems to be the complete package to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, under the hood, there is excellent engineering. Um, Outside, it's elegant. The controls and mechanics of driving it are are well thought out and work nicely. Sounds excellent. It it has good performance, handles well. There's just doesn't seem to be anything that it doesn't do well. And it looks great while it's doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful. Well, Great choice. Uh, wonderful choice. I'm going to have to do a little uh, shopping here to find you one of those. <laughs> Not too many of those around, and the ones that are, are usually held very close. But, um, very close. Yeah, I'll do what I can for you. Ryan, you have taken me on a great ride today. I really have enjoyed your stories. and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Car shout listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your Alpha 8C 2300? <laughs> I
1: think uh, parting thoughts would just be that even if you don't come from a, an automotive family or, or, you know, a, a network uh, of people where you, uh, of similar interests, you know, hard work and determination will get you a long way. And if you are a truly passionate about something, the resources and support networks to take you there, I believe, you know, are at your fingertips if you choose to f- look for
0: them. Absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners? to learn more about you and Phil Riley,
1: Well, there's the Phil Riley & Company webpage, I believe which is actually being overhauled currently. But myself, I can be found at flexibleadventures.wordpress.com. That's flexible with no E, so F-L-X. That is a blog that my friends and I started to chronicle our project of a 1947 flexible bus we bought about 18 months ago.
0: Well, listeners, you can find links to Everything Ryan's been so kind to share with us today at com. Just put Ryan, R-Y-A-N, in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Ryan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: No problem. It's been a great time.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars
1: Yeah.